0: hello and welcome to the political notebook podcast i'm billy Robb, i'm a high school
1: teacher and I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad.
0: We're going to step away from current events on this episode to explore the history of American conservatism. Start with talking about the foundations uh, of the political movement and, the, and its development. Go into some successes and failures so far. And then lastly, touch on a legacy of, of a few prominent Arizona uh, conservatives so i 'll start here with just giving a sort of a textbook version of american uh, the early development of American conservatism, and then uh, you can fill in uh, fill in the the gaps for us here so the Republican Party is not synonymous with conservatism in fact conservatism is a is a movement that that took over influence of Republican party essentially made the Republican party. A vehicle for its uh, ideology, and um, just the historical context would be uh, birthed in the 1960s, and and uh, pushing back against a few things. First, the big the big government of uh, the New Deal, which was expanded by FDR, pushing back against the the collectivism of. Uh, support of big unions, social security, uh, public works projects. So pushing back against that. In terms of foreign policy, uh, in the aftermath of World War II, you know, the Soviet Union being the, the main power, uh, expanding uh, communism, trying to push back against the expansion of, of communism, and then uh, with those uh, international conflicts, you, you saw the you know sort of the countercultural. Explosion of the '60s and the sexual revolution, the civil rights movement, had the anti-war protests and the, and the hippie, the hippie movement. So, conservatism seeking to to push back against those big forces of of big government, against the threat of communism, uh, against the the li- liberalism of, of the countercultural uh, movement. And so, from the sort of intellectual foundations of of William F. Buckley. Um, you know, it, it then pushing into the the political influence uh, taken, you know, taken by Barry Goldwater, U.S. Senator from Arizona, and then kind of moving it down the the sidelines. Ronald Reagan picking it up and kind of taking it across the finish line for the Republicans uh, in in the 1980s. Um, so, <clears throat> I guess my my first question would be: out of those influences, it, which one of those, you know, from the economic uh, pushback of, of the big government to the, to the foreign policy, to the, to the cultural influences. Uh, you know, how did the fusion of these combine to create and eventually uh, have a winning co- coalition? How did that uh, happen? Which one of those had more of an influence? And also, uh, just from that textbook version, if you could just sort of like, what would you fill in from there that might be missing?
1: My own view is that the... Um, Modern American conservatism was an invention of Bill Buckley's in the 1950s. Uh, There were four key pillars to the conservative point of view. Um, You had uh, a a limited federal government, uh, a limited role for the federal government compared, for example, to the states. Um, free market economics, an aggressive and assertive U.S. role in international relations to thwart the expansion of um, Soviet Union-style communism, and a religiously based culture. Uh, Those were the four uh, pillars. Now, Uh, In the 1950s, there were various intellectuals that were writing about those things, Uh, but they weren't part of a uh, coherent, um, philosophical, political point of view. They were kind of in their separate silos. Buckley brought them all together under the uh, aegis of his um, new then publication, National Review. And so it began as a um, intellectual movement. Uh, Barry Goldwater then brought it into the political arena uh, in the early 1960s and as the uh, Republican nominee uh, in 1964. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, made it triumphant uh, in the political sphere for a brief (laughs) moment in time, Uh, but Uh, I don't think that the Republican Party ever was truly the vehicle of conservatism. In in my view, there are only uh, two um, full-spectrum conservatives that the Republicans have nominated for president, Barry Gowater and Ronald Reagan. If you look at uh, Richard Nixon or Bob Dole or the two Bushes, um, they were leaning conservative, but they weren't philosophically grounded conservative conservatives um, as Buckley defined it. Now, the other thing that happened in the 1960s um, was the development of social conservatism. Uh, initially, the religiously based culture was considered to be apart from government policy. It's just something that Um, created the body politic that made the rest of it possible. But it wasn't something that conservatives thought it was any business of the government to promote or protect. Uh, You had a variety of Supreme Court decisions about um, prayer in school, uh, undermining the ability to uh, regulate uh, pornography uh, that created uh, an activism, particularly in the evangelical Uh, community, that sort of added that as a fifth pillar, um, working through politics and government to try to uh, preserve the ability to regulate the kind of society social conservatives wanted to live in. Uh, And arguably, it was the addition to the social conservatives that finally made the arithmetic add up. Uh, to the point of being able to be a winning coalition for Ronald Reagan
0: in 1980. Out of those four pillars, though, do you think any of them were more or less essential than the others? Talking about free market, smaller government, stronger military, and just a religiously based... Do you think one was kind of driving the others? Was one the essential piece that brought in the other ones? Or was it just the you know, the writings and the fusion weaving them all together that brought them all sort of mutually attracted together.
1: The uh, enduring core values uh, and uh, that had the broadest appeal uh, was um, a limited federal government and free market economics. It's the economic uh, issues. Um, That is what unites conservatives and libertarians. Um, some of us call ourselves um, libertarian conservatives, uh, but that—that that was the broadest, the uh, foreign policy aspect of an aggressive, uh, an assertive role in the world to thwart the spread of. Um, Soviet Union-style uh, communism um, sort of disappeared as a rationale uh, when the Soviet Union uh, disintegrated. Uh, and conservatives then became divided between those who wanted to retain that assertive role for a variety of different reasons and those who said, now we need to go back to being the peaceful trading nation that the founders uh, intended. Uh, likewise, the um, original conservatives thought that cultural issues were important, but weren't the providence of politics or government. So you had the social conservatives who said, no, we've got these things being taken away from us that's, that's eroding our ability to live in the kind of society that we want, and we have to act through politics and government to preserve, protect, and recover it. Well, that created a division on many of those issues between libertarian conservatives and social conservatives. So the unifying and enduring principles are a uh, limited role for the federal government uh, and uh, free market economics.
0: How did Bill Buckley grow into this role? What was his sort of foundation or influences? or What made him the intellectual father of, of this movement? Why was he such a... Uh, powerful influence.
1: Well, he, he has a uh, remarkable um, intellect. Uh, he's quite eloquent. Um, he uh, described himself audaciously uh, in one book as having a jeweler's eye uh, for political truth. Um, but uh, there were two things that are generally credited, including by Buckley, for his ability to succeed in this. Uh, One was he was really young. He was just out of college. Um, So he wasn't a threat to all these established scholars in the other arenas um, or had been a rival to them for a period of time. So he always thought that his relative youth uh, was something that allowed him to bring these disparate intellectual intellectuals and and movements uh together uh the other was that he was rich um he he could afford to uh underwrite uh although he sent out fundraising letters on an annual basis that were a delight to read um but he he had the financial wherewithal to uh underwrite national review um and allow it to Gain its place in the intellectual um, landscape of the country.
0: Was he setting out to do what he was doing or was he just espousing beliefs that he actually believed? Was he intentionally saying, I want to bring these pieces together and build a a movement that was was going to be successful politically down the road?
1: I don't know whether he could have anticipated um, the political success. I mean, at the time, conservatism had no political role. Um, no political standing whatsoever. After the Depression and the New Deal, um, there there just wasn't an appetite for uh, limited federal government and um, free markets, and there was no um, coherent uh, conservative intellectual force. He intentionally set out to create that, to to create a uh, counterpoint, uh, to uh, the liberal orthodoxy uh, that could um, stand on its own uh, on equal terms on the intellectual uh, battlefield. And, and his, the famous opening line to the first issue of National Review was, we stand to thwart history yelling stop. Um, now, I don't think that he anticipated uh, the how quickly, relatively speaking, uh, that it would become a such a potent political force.
0: So the two politicians that you would <clears throat> describe as pure conservatives were were Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan. I'm sure there's other politicians that the two, it, the, two pre- the two Republican the presidential two, nominees, the two maybe most successful early ones. Uh, Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan, in terms of successful, in terms of, um, you know, pushing it out into the wider, um, wider electoral influence, and then maybe giving the demand for Reagan. What was it about those two? I mean, do they have any qualities in common? Like, what made, what made Barry Goldwater a successful uh, sort of vehicle and politician to carry conservatism? Um and was there any similarities that you saw with Reagan? Were they just good salespeople? Were they, were they true believers, combination of political skills? What stands out about them? The, the, the
1: Barry Goldwater of the 1960s um, was a philosophically committed conservative. Uh, later on in his life, um, he was opposed to uh, a lot of the things that the social conservative movement was advocating and sort of moved into a different realm and started advocating some things that the 1960s Barry Goldwater was uh, quite eloquent in uh, opposing. Um, but in, in the, the very, the historically important Barry Goldwater, the guy who ran for president in 1964 and got walloped, um, was, uh, simply had zero fear of criticism from the left. He was blunt, plain-spoken, he emanated truth and authenticity, uh, and he was able to articulate uh, what a a large number of people felt about what was happening uh, with government, uh, and to give a public face and a uh, political figurehead's the wrong word, but a, a political leader uh, for the ideas uh, and popularized the ideas that uh, Buckley and and his fellow intellectuals had been creating uh, for a period of time. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, was different. Uh, he was certainly a true believer. Um, and uh, But he also was personally incredibly appealing and persuasive. Uh, he's someone that even people who did not fully agree with him uh, trusted and um, felt positively towards. So um, Reagan was always more popular than his ideas and policies – um, but his ability to articulate them and his sense of the political moment uh, allowed him to be uh, triumphant.
0: Yeah, I think uh, he's kind of seen sometimes as just like the Hollywood actor that you know kind of kind of played a role. But uh, you know, read, reading more about him recently, uh, last time we're reading a biography of uh, of him. Didn't I didn't know how active he was? You know, as as a Hollywood actor. Less so of an actor and more of a you know a political organizer and always yapping about politics and 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 getting involved in in the political side of the union in, in Hollywood and then and then grows into a kind of a role in the twilight of his acting career um, in General Motors traveling the country talking to people being a spokesperson basically talking to the to the sort of the blue, blue collar workers that were eventually kind of you know, in a sense, practicing for for that role that he he took on. Well,
1: and he was far deeper on the issues um, than was generally thought at the time, and even to a certain extent that he's given credit for today. I I think that the sense of his depth has uh, increased over time. Um, But he had things that he believed in, and he drew the line on them. Uh, Bruce Babbitt, who was governor of Arizona in the um, 1980s was engaged in a discussion uh, with the reagan administration Uh, one of the things that reagan wanted to achieve is to take certain federal functions and devolve them to the states Um, babbitt a liberal democrat uh, was willing to engage in that and to talk about a sorting out of responsibilities Um, and but every time he would come up with an agreement uh, with um, the people with he was interacting with in the Reagan administration, that would be taken to Reagan, and Reagan would say no. So um, Bruce Babbitt early on said this notion that anyone's calling the shots other than Ronald Reagan is simply wrong. And 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 and, and Babbitt, it, it, it was a missed historical opportunity because um, Babbitt and. Reagan agreed that we ought to have a sorting out, which would be immensely um, beneficial today, and we have no discussion of doing that today. Um, But they couldn't agree as to which functions should remain federal and which ones
0: should be devolved to the states. My next question is going to be about what you think the biggest successes are of the conservative movement, but I I just want to... uh, Sort of piggyback off of that, that uh, the other thing that kind of stood out in, in reading more about Reagan was his, his ability to sort of like be personal and to kind of target if he needed to vote on something or if you needed, you know, he would, he would kind of target the right people, talk to them in just the right way, and, and very persuasive behind the scenes in, in building coalitions uh, to support well his and, goals. And he
1: and Jack Kemp were uh, always about wanting to expand the people who agreed with conservative positions, as opposed to the politics of Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump, where you draw a line in the sand where you think that there's more people on your side of the line uh, than the others. And uh, the way he practiced politics was just um, very, very appealing. If you were the target of a uh, Jap by Ronald Reagan, you could laugh about it right. because it was gentle and humorous. It wasn't mean and vicious. I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. And I. and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> and, and as I said, he was always more popular than his policies, uh, but the policies were accepted because people
0: trusted his goodwill and his good nature. From the, from the entirety of the conservative movement, what would you say are some of the biggest successes? The, the biggest success... Yeah.
1: Um, is creating economic growth as a principal objective of the political economy and a recognition uh, that incentives matter in private sector economic growth uh, which is where the real growth occurs, rather than it being something that's created by uh, government. Uh, you you had during the 1980s a substantial reduction in individual income taxes. At one point in time, the largest uh, marginal rate uh, was 28 percent. Um, that was down from 60 percent, 70 percent prior to Reagan. Uh, and compares to over 39%, nearly 40% even today. Um, You also had an agreement with Democrats uh, in 1986 to reduce the tax rate to that level and eliminate um, a whole bunch of deductions and credits that cluttered up the tax code and substituted government preferences uh, for the decisions that individuals would make with their own money, on their own time. Uh, that 1986 tax reform was probably the most pro-growth, uh, most sensible tax system that we've had. It's been eroded uh, over time since then. But I think it, I think that even today there's a there's a fight over what creates economic growth and a recognition that the true engine of economic growth is the private sector, and that incentives matter in the private sector. You go back to the 1950s, and there was a sense that
0: you look to government to drive economic growth. Do you think it was a mistake not to also cut spending in in the same way that they were cutting taxes? Is that one of the Failures of conservatism is not reining in the, the spending of the uh, of the federal government, uh, and um, if that's not, then what, what is a big missed opportunity or a, or a failure? It's,
1: it is a failure of the Republican Party. I mean, conservatives would be willing to make the tough votes uh, to try to uh, reduce uh, the presence of the federal government by um, cutting spending and, and eliminating – Uh, programs. Um, Ronald Reagan regularly submitted to Congress budgets that would do that. Uh, They were regularly declared dead on arrival um, uh, once he submitted them. Uh, Now, he was fighting for an increase in defense spending uh, in order to create pressure on the Soviet Union uh, and uh, lower tax rates to get the economy Um, going. I mean, he he inherited very adverse economic um, circumstances. You had um, high unemployment and you had inflation well over 10 percent. So he gave those priorities rather than fighting the fight on uh, cutting spending. My guess he would have lost it anyway. The Republican Republican Party, as opposed to the conservative movement, uh, has always blinked uh, when it comes to truly doing something to reduce the size and activity of the federal government, I so want
0: to go into a couple of uh, common criticisms of of conservatism and, and kind of get your your reaction to to both of these. The first criticism I think would be that conservatism is basically in the bag of you know rich people. That that it's it's kind of a you know the whole the whole lower taxes and, and things just kind of a cover just to to be you know corporate corporate basically corporate welfare or, or or um caring about the rich more than they would care about other uh, you know the other people i think the Koch brothers get the, the biggest kind of target as being i think they'd be the poster child of the attacks on their how, uh, what's your response to the to the critiques that conservatism is about?
1: Well, true conservatism opposes um, corporate welfare um, and doesn't like the deductions and tax credits um, whereby the federal government says we prefer these businesses and these activities to other businesses and uh, other activities. Um, the uh, during my lifetime, there has been the largest reduction uh, in poverty uh, across the globe uh, in all of human history. Uh, and the change that has made that happen is more reliance on the market. Uh, you, the way in which you help Uh, those that are uh, struggling economically is to expand economic opportunity. And that's done by leaving resources at work in the private sector allocated the way that investors looking to make a buck um, want to allocate it. It it is the invisible hand at work. Now, um, again, you kind of have to make a distinction between the Republican Party and conservatives. The Republican Party has been sort of a business party over time, uh, and have been open to uh, favoritism uh, to business, whereas conservatives say you got to earn your keep, not in, not at Capitol Hill, um, but in the marketplace. You got to win uh, in. Uh, the marketplace Uh, there have been conservative ideas of if we want to create a safety net of ways to do that more efficiently and effectively than um, we currently do which is very inefficient and ineffective Uh, Milton Friedman in the late 1950s and early 1960s developed the idea of the negative income tax uh, to say well if some people don't have enough money, the most effective thing the government can do is to give them more money uh, and not have all this squad of bureaucrats that try to tell them how to live their life or or say you can only use this money for that and this other money for that, so you got to apply to four or five different programs. Uh, and um, that idea was sort of taken up in, in the earned income uh, tax credit that that, that we have, but not as a replacement for existing welfare programs, which is what Milton Friedman uh, had advocated. So the libertarian conservatives would say, gee, we helping, helping people other than what they earn on their own should be a charitable function. It should be in the private sector. Uh, there is a broad segment of conservatives Uh, and conservatism that would say we accept a government role in providing a safety net Uh, let's do it in the most effective and efficient way and there's been a lot of intellectual energy going back as i said to the 1950s and early 1960s as to how that could be done better than um, the way liberalism does it the
0: other i think major critique that Conservative gets is on the the lens of race that there's a there's a racial a problematic racial history of of conservatives. I'll just list a couple of things that uh, that that get brought up. Gary uh, <clears throat> Goldwater is anti-voting against the uh, Civil Rights Act. Um, you had Ronald Reagan. Uh, there was a, a recent clip that resurfaced of him making a a racist comment on a on the phone call with. I forget someone, but even publicly back then, his ads, kind of with the caricature of of the sort of like the welfare queen with the with the Cadillacs. Then you had uh, you know Nixon's Southern strategy of, of courtship of uh, Southern segregationists uh, from George Bush and the, and the and the Willie Horton ad, kind of like the uh, the first. George Bush, this, this kind of the scary release prisoner attack someone, uh, uh, stoking like fears of of uh, criminality, and then you know recently kind of weaponizing the uh, you know the immigration issue as a as a uh, sort of a wedge issue, uh, specifically um, you know demonizing and and, and and providing scare tactics to to get people on the Republican side in terms of, in terms of immigration. You know, that's a lot, but how would you, um, you know, are there, is there some fair criticism uh, in terms of racial sensitivity or aw- awareness in the, in the conservative movement?
1: I think there's a fair criticism of some conservatives. Uh, I don't think there's a fair criticism of conservatism uh, on the basis of race, which believes in liberty and uh, equal treatment under law um, for everybody. I mean, the, the idea of a government exercising favoritism is the thing that that conservatives abhor. Uh, Richard Nixon was not a conservative. Uh, I mean, he, <laughs> he imposed... Uh, economy-wide wage and price controls. When um, Republicans wanted to call Obama a socialist, I thought, uh, and said, in re- Republican meetings, uh, the closest we've had to socialism in the United States was Richard Nixon <laughs> imposing um, economy-wide wage and price controls. That's well beyond anything uh, Obama could uh, ever uh, proposed or probably even dreamed about. The Willie Horton ad wasn't done by um, the uh, George H.W. Bush campaign. It was done by an independent um, outfit, uh, not in coordination with with his uh, campaign. Um, conservatives believe that the that a free market is the best protection against discrimination. Because if one business is uh, not willing to take advantage of the talent uh, that people have because of race, gender, uh, or sexual orientation... Well, that leaves talent available to a competitor um, that will beat that person who discriminates in the marketplace. This is, again, an insight that Milton Friedman had in the 1950s and and 1960s. Um, So I I do – I mean, there's no question that that there have been prominent conservatives that said things uh, and did things that were – Inappropriate and racially insensitive. What
0: about the Civil Rights Act uh, stance? Because that's a situation where, you know, you might need a, the role of the federal government to step in and and, and create some fairness in, in localities that were actively discriminating and disenfranchising people. The Barry
1: Goldwater's argument, which is articulated in The Conscience of a Conservative, is 1960s book that sort of launched conservatism as a political movement. Um, that it was a triumph of property rights um, by the owner, uh, that it might be awful uh, for an owner of a business to say, I'm not going to serve some people for whatever reason, but it is the owner's property. It's not the government's property. If government wants to um, prohibit that kind of activity uh, with government property and government programs, then it's free to do that. So that was his rationale. Um, I think uh, the conservative movement at the time um, can be criticized for not recognizing that a uh, federal role uh, was necessary to break the back of Jim Crow segregation in the South. And it's now pretty much universally accepted, including by conservatives, uh, that the marketplace is a public space, um, access to which is reasonably and appropriately regulated by government. Um, But uh, I think it's wrong to attribute to Barry Goldwater a racist motivation uh, for what was a, a principled position. Uh, Basically, uh, in uh, Chesterton's uh, formulation, we all have the right to be our own little potty self, and uh, if we want to cut ourselves off from some commerce uh, for uh, illegitimate uh, animus towards certain people, we have a right to do that with our own property. Again, I think that history has suggested that was a misguided point of view and that a federal role was necessary and appropriate, um, and the marketplace is fairly regarded as uh, uh, public space um, subject to access uh, regulation. Uh, but uh, he had a principled basis well articulated uh, in his
0: 1960s, 1960 book. Just got one more question here, and then on, on conservatism, uh, and then I'll fire off some, some names of some Arizonans and get your, uh, just quick reactions to their, to their legacies. So, um, you know, when we, we, in the very beginning, we rattled off sort of the, um, you know, the, you talked about the four pillars that, that held up conservatives and you, you, uh, laid out the, the free, the smaller government sort of free market principle as being the most important to bind that together. I think, um, well, throughout history, there's been some parallels between what the, the the political dynamics in America and the political dynamics in Great Britain. And and when when Ronald Reagan's conservatism was being successful uh, in America, uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher was was kind of doing a, a parallel uh, conservative movement in in Great Britain. And you know what's some of the reflections after. Um, you know what's happened with brexit and with boris johnson's uh recent uh conservative victory in in britain is you know their what their uh, kind of pill, main pillar is it seems like is not free market stuff and 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 um you know trump didn't really run on a lot of the classical conservative things in his win. So some people are talking about is, was that free market and, and small government thing really that important? Was it that big of a pillar or were these other things? And right now maybe protectionism or, um, you know, uh, you know, cultural things more important. Is there, what lessons can we learn kind of historically from, from the parallels and, do you think that there is, uh, is what's happening now telling you anything different about uh, what you previously believed about the conservative movement?
1: Not the movement. Uh, the, the question is what is um, politically popular or what the body politic wants. So you got to separate that from the question of, the philosophy of conservatism. Um, George W. Bush wanted to transform conservatism uh, to reconcile it with a large federal government, but to say we're going to have that federal government promote conservative values. So we're going to have a larger role for the federal government in education, which conservatives said there should be no federal role for the government and for the federal government in education. But he said we're going to enlarge that, but we're going to have accountability through testing and school choice and other things. Um, In in my judgment, there can be no such thing as big government conservatism. Uh, The essence of conservatism is a limited federal government, a limited role for the government in the political economy and free market economics. It is true that that wasn't what Trump principally ran on, um, but he has reduced corporate taxes, he has rolled back regulation, he has domestically um, liberalized um, economic regulation, and, and I believe it is producing uh, fruit. Certainly what is sweeping, the, the political movement that seems to have the most oomph behind it uh, is um, right-leaning populism Uh, and I don't think that necessarily is equates to conservatism although it's often referred to as conservatism Boris Johnson did not articulate a program to liberalize and unleash the private sector economy in Great Britain he ran on let's get out of brexit and oh by the way i will put more money into the national health service you can't really describe that as a conservative agenda although certainly he i mean the name of his party is the (laughs) conservative party um obviously trump's chief issue uh was um, immigration well conservatives have always been divided about immigration um the Free market conservatives tend to like the idea of um, relatively open borders uh, for labor to go where it can be most uh, productively uh, deployed. Um, Social conservatives have tended to say, no, we need to um, preserve for our own uh, and provide for our own, um, not... Uh, dilute what we've got by having a whole bunch of uh, newcomers uh, come to our shores. So that's been a, a, a disagreement within the conservative party. Um, so I, I certainly I don't know whether there is a political market for a traditional small government free enterprise conservative. Um, but I do know this. It's the only thing that works. Uh, It is what drives economic production in the private sector, which is what creates opportunities uh, on a broad basis. I mean, if you look at what's happening uh, to wage growth uh, for those without a college education, under Trump's policies compared to Obama's policies, um, it is dramatically better under Trump's policies. We're finally getting some uh, market demand uh, for labor which is raising uh, wages Uh, other things don't work Uh, so even if this is not the moment uh, the moment will occur again uh, because the other stuff
0: doesn't work that's interesting it sounds like you're saying like even though um, it's less popular now doesn't mean it wasn't the driving force behind it earlier and it doesn't mean you know it still doesn't Work in the in the way.
1: Yeah, that to, to me, I mean, obviously, so. you have at at the margins arguments as to what constitutes conservatism, uh, and um, but I, I don't believe that that you can have a conservatism that doesn't have a, at its core a limited role for the federal government in free market uh, uh, economics. It may be called conservatism, but it it ain't. What conservatism
0: is? It's something else. So let's finish here by just. Uh, I'm just going to say a few names and followers of, of Arizona politics or history be familiar with these. But just uh, just give us your reactions on their sort of relationship with with conservatism and and what their what their legacy legacy will be. Uh, first, uh, former Arizona Governor Fife Symington.
1: Uh, Fife Symington was the um, first uh, conservative governor that the, the state has uh, had in, in the sense of having a deep philosophical grounding. Uh, he began the movement towards uh, lowering uh, income tax rates uh, in the state. He, along with Lisa Keegan, um, got the charter school and the school choice movement launched in the state. In the criminal justice arena, um, he was the architect of uh, truth in sentencing, where you've got to serve a certain percentage of your, a large percentage of your sentence before you're eligible for uh, relief. That's something that's being reconsidered by the legislature. Uh, he had a brief tenure because of his um, problems with his business enterprise, um, but uh, in terms of moving the state in more of an ideological conservative um, perspective, uh, he was where it started. Uh, Prior to that, it was mostly a centrist, business-oriented Republican Party and not a particularly ideologically conservative Republican Party here in the state, despite Barry Goldwater and, and others. At the state legislative level... It was very much a business-oriented, centrist Republican Party. Two governors later, uh, two-term governor, Jan Brewer. Um, Brewer was a social conservative and obviously made her mark most um, conspicuously on the subject of immigration. Um, But she was also, in many ways, more of a centrist than a conservative. She's the one that led the effort to expand Medicaid in Arizona under Obamacare. Uh, She advocated a tax increase to help the state deal with, a temporary tax increase, to help the state deal with the devastating effects the uh, housing uh, bubble and burst uh, had on uh, state uh, revenues. I happen to agree with both of those decisions. Um, but you can't describe them as advancing conservative thought. They were more taking advantage of the circumstances and opportunities at the time.
0: And then someone who you're close with worked on his his campaigns earlier on in your in your career, uh, former. US Senator from Arizona, John Kyle. Uh, John Kyle was probably the most
1: uh, successful full spectrum, conservative, to uh, represent um, Arizona in, uh, in Congress. Um, Barry Goldwater was uh, very influential in defense policy, but not all that influential in other things. Um, uh, John Kyle was, uh, had for the state an appeal comparable to Reagan's, but for a different reason. Um, John, you knew, had studied the issues deeply and people trusted that he was making decisions based upon what he thought was best for the country, best for the state, which again uh, created a, like Reagan, a larger base of support for him uh, than necessarily his policies would dictate, although during his tenure, Arizona was a pretty solid center-right-to-right right state.
0: And then finally, uh, recently uh, passed, U.S. Uh, Senator from Arizona, John McCain. Bill Buckley
1: um, described both of the President Bushes uh, as conservative but not a-conservative. By that, he meant that they tended to to land on the conservative side of an issue, and saw that as their team, but weren't truly philosophically grounded in the principles of conservatism. Uh, when John McCain was first running for president in 2000, I was the previous year, and as he was getting up his campaign, a media fellow uh, for the Hoover Institute, and I gave a speech uh, to their uh, donors and supporters about McCain, trying to understand him. And I borrowed uh, Buckley's description of the Bushes and said, that's the way I see John McCain. He's he's conservative, but not a conservative. Um, uh, interestingly, WikiLeaks has picked up on that, and, and that is um, still part of... John McCain's WikiLeaks, Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia. Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, no. not, Wiki, not WikiLeaks. No one's, no one's hacking I, I, right I, 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 I have no relationships to <laughs> Assad, um, <laughs> but uh, but so uh, McCain was an effective senator. Uh, he tended to be more of a impulsive, pragmatic problem solver. If that's not too much of a contradiction um but he wasn't really a true philosophical conservative um he was in buckley's phrase uh conservative but not a conservative
0: any last uh parting thoughts on uh on conservatism before we before we wrap it up here well bill buckley early on
1: uh once said um, back when conservatism had no political um, purchase. Every day and every way, things are getting worse and worse. Uh, this is a distressing time uh, to be a uh, libertarian conservative, as I describe myself. Um, our politics uh, are dispiriting, And seeing a path to once again having the kind of political movement on behalf of conservatism uh, that's cheerful, that's uplifting, that is attempting to reach out rather than divide in the tradition of Ronald Reagan and Jack Kemp uh, just does not appear to be Any place on uh, the horizon. Nevertheless, as I've said earlier, it's what works. And I believe that that approach to the politics of it is also what works. And I'm hopeful when the age of Trump passes uh, that we can have a revival of that kind of conservatism and that kind of conservative
0: leader. Well, thanks for uh, exploring the history of conservatism with us. This has been the Political Notebook Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast, or any other podcasting app. Thank you.